I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employers respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. AT&T connects an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. 10 more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news. Sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories. Change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. Welcome to J.Ill, a production of iHeartRadio. What's up, everybody? Hi. Welcome back to J.Ill, the podcast. I'm sitting here with my sister friends. You already know, Laia St. Clair. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Yes, hello. <laughs> and Aja Graydon Danzler. You got it. <laughs> Philly Onze. And this is Jill Scott. And um, we have the privilege and um, this awesome pleasure of speaking to two incredible people, Brian Sheffy and Danya Williams. Okay. Hey. Hi. Welcome. Welcome to J.L. the podcast. I there is so much. Yeah. Like, like Aja, would you would you guide us well, into this? The thing about it is that one of the things that we we're really loving about this era of our shows is we've been talking to some of our amazing day ones. And how they like brought so much beauty to the podcast. And so one of our day ones is Danya Williams, who, along with her cousin, Brian Sheffy, are experts in genealogy. OK, and so what they do is they co-host a um, podcast, a streaming show called Genealogy Adventures Live. And they also have a company, they're authors, they're community activists. They are doing tons of work around helping African-Americans in particular trace their family histories, understand where they come from, making good connections between us here in the U.S. and the diaspora, as well as the continent. So we're just really grateful to have them on. But Danya, aside from supporting us since the very beginning, has also done a lot of chiming in on some of the past conversations that we've had around African-American history 
around personal family history. And so we wanted to have her on and we're just really super happy to have both of them. So welcome, you guys. Was that a good enough? Is that an explanation? <laughs> that was awesome. That was awesome. We, and we love to see it. We love to see it. Because we're here we are, you know, in this in this time, we're, we're trying to figure out who we are. You know, we everybody is really wanting to know because now the technology is such, you know, yeah. that we can find out where our people are from. All this time walking around just just not knowing, you know, wearing wearing cloths, we don't know what they mean, having art on the wall, we don't even understand what it is, but we've been searching and looking and reaching for some kind of connection with with a continent that you know was ripped from us in every possible talk that way. Talk, Jill. Talk that talk, Jill. Talk yes. that talk. But it's, yes. that's what it is. Yeah. You know, I'm Aja and I and Laia. We're all coming up in a neo soul movement. Yeah. You know, the soul movement originally was really about connecting, connecting yeah. to ourselves. You know, all of that, all that good, powerful funk, you know, finding that uh, that rhythm in ourselves. And here we are, you know, all of these years later. And um, now we have the technology to truly find out what it is in us that that um, makes us us. And, you know, that one of the big themes on this show is, you know, pointing out so many of the outside kind of structures that affect how we you know, think about ourselves, who we believe we are. And we've been uncovering little by little so much of, you know, how that, you know, affects our everyday lives. And so this is really on par with the conversation that we've been trying to have since the very beginning. You know what I mean? And as we peel back those layers and we really see who we are, then we can start to better see those outside structures for what they are, for the lies that they tell. So if we don't know who you are, then you can't even go out here and properly identify all of the different things that are coming at you and what is the foreign matter, if you will, from you and who you are supposed to be. So On top of the fact that everybody just can't afford Henry Louis Gates and we trying to navigate all these websites and stuff and figure out who we are by ourselves and we get lost in these streets. I'm, that's how I feel. Baby. Not to hmm. mention the fact Henry Louis Gates is not the researcher on finding your roots. I just want to put that out there. He's a host. He's a host. Right, right. Yeah. <laughs> I personally think, maybe because I don't know any better, but I personally think that um, because I don't follow these things, I don't follow astrology. You know, I have a favorite number, but I don't live my life exactly by following the number. Um, I think that that there's more, way more um, than just, you know, those things. Somebody else will argue with me, and, you know, try to punch me in the chest about it. But, um, you know, this is another aspect of finding out exactly who we are, how we are, why we are. Thank you so much for the invitation. It's such a pleasure to be able to speak with all of you and to be able to speak to your audience. So, again, thank you for inviting us to the show. Um, do you know that was the first time I've ever been introduced as an activist? And as soon as, that, as soon as she said that, I was thinking it's really a shame that in this day and age, in 2023, I'm being called an activist for just speaking truth. Just speaking truth about the African-American experience in the United States of America. I will be pondering that all day. <laughs> so, <laughs> so thank you for that. And Jewel raised a really good point. We do know a lot more than, than our ancestors knew. But because our history, Black history, still isn't honestly and properly taught in schools, there's still a lot of 
I don't want to say ignorance because ignorance is almost like a choice. You don't know what you don't know until you don't know it. There's such a gap in our collective knowledge that people are actually trying to fill that gap of knowledge with, I, I call it nonsense, but with kind of out there explanations about how black people actually arrived in this country. Um, something that Donnie and I have been actively citing online for a, for a long, long time. So, you know, that, that knowledge is really important. Yeah. So what, what brings you guys to this work in the first place? Like, one day, you're Brian and Danya, y'all walking around the world being black, minding your black cousins. ass business, your cousins. <laughs> y'all going to the cookout, y'all seeing each other on graduations and funerals and things. And then one day, what changes and makes y'all go into this work? Um, so my dad was turning 78. I was living in England at the time. Um, mm -hmm. They were still here. They were here. Met my parents were here in Maryland. And I phoned me mom. And I was like, mom, what do I get dad? Because my father had everything. Just mm. every kind of gadget, every kind of music. Just he had loads of stuff. My mother's like, don't buy your father a single thing. She's like, we're trying to get rid of stuff because we're trying to downsize. And I'm like... Well, because his parents divorced when he was really young and his mother didn't um, allow him to have contact with his dad's side of the family, he grew up really knowing nothing about the Sheffy side of his ancestry. Um, very little about his father's kind of, um, he knew where his father was born in a place called With County, Virginia, but that was kind of it. So I'm like, do you think he'd be interested in genealogy? And my mother was like, that is the perfect thing to, to give him. Um, so that was my 78th birthday present for my father, was his genealogy. I'm pushing it all the way back, even identifying his white, Sheffy, slave-holding ancestor. And he was amazed. I found photographs and pictures of aunts and uncles that he had never seen before. Giving someone their roots, even at the age of 78, was so fundamentally transformative. My mother said it was probably the most awesome birthday present I could have ever given him. I want to do that for my mom. And I was, and at that point, I was hooked. I was hooked on genealogy, and there was no turning back. Well, for me, um, my mom is the baby of 14, and will 13 live. So I have 70 first cousins. So I always had this really, really big, big family. And then my mom's last name is a very rare name. It's Yeldale. And so, you know, I was like, well, who are these people? Who are the elders? Because they didn't know anything about her father's side, but they knew everything about her mother's side. And I was like, well, I don't want to do all that. I started to find out how many people were in my family. Just wanted to know that. And in the midst of me doing it, it was 1996. And I started doing this whole thing of just counting how many descendants my grandparents had. And long story short, it ended up being almost 400 people just from my grandparents. After I did that, I was like, well, I, I, I found all of the, I know who they are. I may as well dig and find out who the dead people are. And that's how I started. <laughs> and then that's, that's how I started it. But the funny thing, Asia, you said, you know, we were going to cookouts and reunions and graduations. Brian and I did not know each other. It was genealogy that actually introduced us to each other. And, um, through a common family member. And in that research, we've now found out that we're cousins like eight times over. Listen, I was about to say, what cousins are y'all? Like what grandparents through grandparents? Uh, a lot. <laughs> a lot. That's it. First of all, no, that was cold. But first of all, don't be trying to put my family business out here, okay? No, that's not it. No. No. no, we won't tell it all, baby. We, I, I no, I'm just joking. Problem. I'm joking. Because, oh, you know, black folks, black folks we, we like, we're going to tell it to a point. To a parent. <laughs>
More Real Talk after the break. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. AT&T connects an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news. Sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of smoking audio. Connect the stories. Change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. You can't see this, but the your grandmother, I'm assuming that the lady uh, left of your mother... Well, well, my uh, left. Yeah. Yeah. You guys, Brian, you and that woman look alike. Can you get am I bugging? Can you see it? No, 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 you're not. I can see it. No, I can see it. And the woman next to her is Mama Lula. That's her mother. So what you guys are looking at is five generations. It's my daughter on the very far end. Mm-hmm. Yeah, then you. My daughter, then me, then my mom, then her mother, and then her mother's mother. So that that's probably one of my favorite photos that I've put together because it's five generations of of women. But to put it this way, Donnie and I are related eight or nine ways in South Carolina alone. Then we're going to be related more ways in North Carolina earlier. And then all the way back in colonial Virginia, we're going to have even more shared ancestry. Wow. Mm. So is it is it safe to say or have you noticed that amongst African-Americans that there are these multiple points of contact with people or is Mm -hmm. that just something rare for you for y'all? I'm going to make you all laugh. I'm divorced twice over 
and people, I live just outside of DC and everyone keeps trying to fix me up on blind dates and whatnot. And I'm like, listen, I will never marry anyone from Massachusetts or date anyone from Massachusetts to Florida. Because <laughs> the great migration coming out of the South into the, you know, scattering across the East Coast, I'm related to so many people in DC alone, the Metro DC area. Maryland, everybody's from Virginia. Carolina in DC. That's because everybody's from Carolina. That's it, everybody. And Donnie will, Donnie will be my truth guardian on this one. I will not date a cousin. Nope. I'm just not doing it. <laughs> nope. We talk about, like, we talk about, you know, other mammals that mate with mammals in their family. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, do you think we're nuts? Because <laughs> it's a no. lot of interbreeding, whether we recognize it or not. No, I think that once you know who they are, it's harder for you to to go and do it. <laughs> it was something that happened back then. First of all, they were in small, it was in, you know, groups of areas where they couldn't go anywhere. So you was ending up dating your family anyway. But where our family comes from, it just got it just got ridiculous. Like it's, it's so many. And then as we dug back into our research, we started to understand why it got that way because of a grandfather that, that we found his name was Moses and he had 45 children, 40 girls, five boys with two women. He said, I'm taking my socks off. (laughs) And I really want to clarify Come on, Moses. He, he was not a breeder. He had yes. one set of kids with one woman whose first name we don't know. We know that biologically she was a hey good. She died. He got with a much younger woman, Mariah Stallworth, and then had a whole second group of kids. Right. So it was 20 bo- it was 20 girls and two boys with one woman, 20 girls and three boys with another woman. But because of this, my mom is a descendant of both of those two women because my mother is a descendant of at least so far four of his children. And we carry his prolific gene. Yeah. So y'all are already mixed up then. So y'all are, y'all are already, oh my God. <laughs> so my grandmother and my grandfather are related to each other because of that. And my, and my grandmother's grandmother, which is the older lady in the chair that y'all see, she is also related to her husband because mm-hmm. of that. And you're talking about this is like North rural North Carolina and Virginia. South Carolina. All okay. South. Yeah. Wow. But you know what, though? This is quite common. I mean, I just want to make sure that people who are mm-hmm. listening understand that this is actually quite common because I've actually heard the story several times. That's why I wanted you guys to speak to it, because yeah. I think that that there is some romanticizing around what it is to understand your genealogies specifically as descendants of slaves. And one of the things I want people to not miss is that there's a historical context that they, that these two people have to understand in order to, you know, really get their family history. That you've got part. to have, you have to, and that's where understanding our, our history is so important in yes. everything that we do because everything as an African in the diaspora is tied to a historical context. So we have to be able to understand that. Um, I'm curious because I know that, you know, there's a big boom. Like we talked, we start out the conversation talking about technology and there's a big boom in 
and, and technological advances. There's DNA, there's all this stuff that you can do to figure out. And this really appeals to us as, as African-Americans or as Africans in the diaspora. What do you do? So you, you go out, you get this DNA situation done. And wait, is it blood? Is it, is it saliva? Uh, saliva. Okay. Saliva. You get it done. You get the results back. What are the next steps for us? Like, you know, a lot of this information is hard to digest. It's hard to read. You don't know what this means for you. And for those of you who are fans of the show, you also know that we've done a show previously on this where that we went through African ancestry. And I had a hard time of the three of us. I was the person who was not able to actually identify where my family was from on the continent. So kind of give me some top three things that we need to be kind of understanding when we go through this process. I'm going to do the pre-bit. Donnie, Donnie, you can do the, the post. One important step, and Donnie, you can jump in on this too, please, that a lot of people don't think about is you have to mentally prepare yourself for a DNA test. I know that they're kind of sold as entertainment or, you know, spit in a tube or do a cheek swab and find out where you come from. Well, you can find out anything including stuff you weren't expecting, you can find out that one of your parents is not your biological parent. Um, even though we know, or hopefully I think most people know that your average African-American with any length of ancestry in this country is going to have a degree of European DNA. Not every, there are pockets that, that wouldn't, but a lot of us are gonna have an, an average amount of European DNA. How are you gonna respond to seeing that? Will that affect how you identify yourself? Will you have questions around that? You can discover through accident um, that an ancestor was fostered, was adopted, that someone was raped. They're all, you know, we're talking about human beings. We're not a great species. We've never really treated each other, you know, our, our own species particularly well. But when you have, when you're involved in either slavery or if you were a poor family of color who were free during the, you know, during the slavery period, Anything can pop up in your DNA, anything. My mom's DNA helped 10 different people find who their actual father was. Because her DNA is so very, very strong, I ended up helping like 10 different people finding out who their who their father was. And Brian and I are in a position where, you know, we do this as a business as well. So when we're talking to someone and we're and they're like oh i want to do dna okay hold up time out because dna is going to introduce you to some things that you're not you might not be ready for so we we consult before we even allow them to go into that we we give them everything that it's going to do we give them all of this information that it may find and then you have to sit and think about whether or not you really want to go that route. You know, if you went all your life thinking that you were the only child to your parents and then all of a sudden you find out you got a sibling out there. Ooh. And you're like, I'm I'm sorry, who is that? I mean, that actually happened in my family. Mm-hmm. That actually happened. I'm, I'm looking at it and matter of fact, the other thing that people need to realize is that when you start doing this stuff, your family might walk away from you. They may not deal with you because you're finding information, you're digging into those secrets that a lot of families just wanted to take it with them to the grave. And 
you digging into that. I, I have several family members that don't talk to me. I ain't tripping, but I do. I have several. <laughs> So again, it's it's not to scare anyone and it's not to deter anyone away from taking a DNA test, but to realize there is a lot packed in our spit and you just have to, Ooh, our advice is on. just, if you can't approach it with an open mind, don't do it. Don't do it. That's yeah. right. That's right. I'm doing it. I'm doing it. I'm doing it. I'm doing it again. Yeah. <laughs> I want y'all to do it again. Um, let me say this. African ancestry tells you that they can pinpoint your tribe. They can tell you what tribe you come from. Now, I want y'all to take this. Take one parent, just one of your parents. They have two parents. So those are your grandparents. And then those grandparents have parents. So you have four great-grandparents. And you have eight great-great, 16. 32, 64. You get then you see where I'm going? In order for you to be able to pinpoint that tribe going back as far as they're talking about. So we're talking about hundreds of thousands of years. Everybody back there had to be from the exact same place. So they're not pinpointing your tribe. They're looking at your largest DNA amount that where your family came from. And then they're going from there. That's what that is. The DNA that they're testing isn't particularly made clear either. Human beings have three different kinds of DNA. Well, most, I'm going to, actually, some have three, some have two. Um, So we have mitochondrial DNA, which is noted as mtDNA. That gets passed from mother to daughter. Also gets passed from mother to son, but sons don't pass that on. You have yDNA which is passed from father to sons. Daughters don't get it. It's literally male to male to male to male down the family line. So those are the two kinds of DNA that African ancestry actually tests. There is a third called autosomal, and that's like a stew. You, you get autosomal DNA from your mother and your father, and it goes back, as Donnie was saying, generations. Now, siblings don't exactly... No two, two or three siblings inherit the exact same mix of DNA. It's unless, just they're, unless they're um, identical. Twins, unless they're identical twins. It's a matter of what they're pulling in from each parent. So my question is, and because everybody won't be able to get to you guys, but is there a way? Because, you know, like I said, people are out in these streets already trying to do this work on their own. And is each service, because, you know, there are at least three main ones that we're talking, we're talking about the, the first one and then there are the other two. But they are... They are all for different purposes, correct? Is there a way to use them for good? I'm oh, going to yeah. say the, the big three, like Ancestry, 23andMe, MyHeritage, um, Family Tree DNA. So those, those are autosomal DNA testing. So they're looking at your mother and your father's side of the family. Um, now, what I would advise people is don't get too hung up in whatever ethnicity Kind of, you know, whatever kind of cultural ethnicity, whatever you want to call them, uh, DNA results you get, whether you're getting, you know, t- uh, Tobago, Kenya, Nigeria, all of the kind of typical countries that we th- that we think of and um, along the, the west coast of the west coast of Africa. Because, again, those are very mixed populations. Um, none of them are particularly clear about what they're, they're in order for you to get a ethnicity result. 
means that people were tested in all of those countries. Um, hundreds of people were, were tested in those countries. None of the DNA, really the commercial ones, tell you how many people they tested in these different African countries. Um, which is why you can get such a wide variance between Ancestry and 23andMe about your different percentages. All it's really telling you is that you have a percentage of Ancestry from a particular part of a country, wherever that country is in the world. I wouldn't get too hung up on the actual percentage. Just go, yeah, okay, I've got a couple of, of Ancestors from Gabon. I've got a couple of ancestors from from you know Nigeria. Um, maybe the the you know the larger the percentage, the more ancestry you're going to have from that place. The other part of the puzzle that gets missed out is, as Donnie was saying, it's not like people in Nigeria, Africans in Nigeria were always in Nigeria. You know, human beings we move, we move all over the place. Movement isn't new to our generation or you know to mo to modern times. In order to get to West Africa, you know, our ancient ancestors started off in East Africa and then worked their way over to the West. So DNA is just a really complicated thing, and it tells a very complicated story. And I think they... It's nothing the truth, Brian. I don't know who to... Well, I'm, I'm, <laughs> no, but is, here's the thing, Maya. The, the, the thing is this. The thing is this. Settle our little westernized spirits. Pull together the plot in a 30-minute rom-com. Let's get into it. Yeah, so here's, the, yeah and here's the thing. This is, this is the whole thing. From the four places that... The four companies that he named, at least two of them are... Um, entertainment. Remember that. The 23andMe is probably the one that's not entertainment. So you can go to you can go to 23andMe, you can get the DNA information. They're going to show you, they're going to tell you different things when you get your information. But what makes 23andMe different from Ancestry, not African Ancestry, is the fact that with Ancestry.com, you can actually connect records to your to a tree and start to build and bring it all together and compile both the DNA and the records together so that you can then go ahead and start finding your family and finding out more about them. And that's that's what we would love to do for you guys. We want to be able to build like that. And then the other thing is, um, but remember, ancestry is 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 entertainment but because those records are there it's why it works so so let me just let me just try to like okay so what you guys are saying is that ultimately that it is the story the record it's the the family member stories mm -hmm. the records and the dna mm -hmm. as a as a body or a toolkit mm -hmm. is probably the best kind of use of this type of work. So genealogy as a, you know, as a study. So involves all of these things. That's exactly it. For us, we can't be fully dependent on one spoke in this wheel. We have to kind of think, you know, pull in all of these things, which makes all the sense in the world because. Yeah. I mean, look at our hair. Yeah. How many textures of hair do you have on your head? You <laughs> know what I mean? How many? How many <laughs> colors of hair do I have on my head? How about that? It's a four it's for three. me. <laughs> We're going to take a quick break and then we'll be right back. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. 
I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. <clears throat> AT&T connects an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news. Sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories. Change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. wait to get into a more Brian and Danya because I'm kind of like in live mode right now where I have two older parents and I use both two different services for each parent for two different reasons right like I literally used the 23 and me because I did want to know my average content and where we came from but then I used the ancestry for my mom because she has no idea of who her father's people are like after the father we don't know who the birth parents and things of that nature so I'm hoping that. that that will help. Yeah, we can we can definitely hopefully we will be able to um to help with that. Uh, the thing that I also want people to understand is that with we are not in any kind of way knocking African ancestry. I need for everybody to know that if you're gonna do that route, then by all means do that route. However, you have to be mindful of the information that they're giving you. So one of the things that was said to Asia, and I promise you, Asia, I cried along with you that day. And I don't even know if y'all saw my tweets that day. (laughs) But there is a haplogroup for every last person, and they told you that there wasn't. And can I just say that that Donnie is legit, because it hit her to the core and she was crying on the phone to me as she was yeah. telling me about what was said on the show. She was that, she was that upset. 
Yeah, that broke my heart. Knowing that, knowing the kind of person, everybody knows who Asia is that listens to this show. Everybody knows, you know? White supremacy is, that's the problem. That's the problem. My heart was broken. But I wanted to say that when the big thing that was heartbreaking for me was, again, the way that we were discussing it, with it that, that it was being traced from mother to mother to mother to mother. And on my mother's side, my grandmother's grandmother is a person who is a mystery to us. And so I was looking forward to understanding more about her lineage because she's a person we don't know. My great grandmother was raised by a woman who wasn't her mother. And it's heartbreaking because her her mother who raised her, who was not her biological mother, is well documented. So she was an educator. She has all kinds of things that have been written about her. My family goes back many, many generations in Loudoun County, Virginia. So that means, Brian, you can never date me. (laughs) (laughs) It's a good thing. I mean, I know I'm fine, but you know. That's right, boo. (laughs) Control yourself, okay? Because we are probably related. But, you know, but the bottom line is that, you know, it was it was heartbreaking on multiple levels. It wasn't just the like surprise agent, you're a white lady. It hurt. It was like not only did I have to find out that, but then now this woman who I knew I was gonna finally find something about her, it was just went up in smoke. So I was hurt and I'm and I thank you for just being in that moment with me. You know, I, of course I didn't wanna make you sad, but girl, that's where my no, head was. I, I was more mad crying than sad crying. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm going to keep that real with you. I, I was keep more mad. Yeah, I'm going to keep that. I was mad. I was like, listen, I'm like, if you're going to give this information, then tell it truthfully, because that's where, that's where Brian and I, you know, that's what we live on. We live on truth. And a mm-hmm. lot of things that people don't realize is taking American history, you have to add that black history in it. It's just missing. It's missing, it's been taken out. So when you're doing your research and you're you're trying to find your family, you're gonna go through, start saying, well, wait a minute, this was going on during American history. You mean to tell me my peoples was dealing with that at that particular moment, at that particular time? And we weren't, we weren't taught it. We we didn't know that we had a hand in it. I'm gonna be very honest with you. I don't know how well you guys are on your history. Most people know who Charles Sumner is, right? Charles Sumner is the man that got beat on the Senate floor because he was did a, a speech against slavery. Okay. Yeah. Guess whose second great grandmother was enslaved by the man who beat him? Wow. And the way I learned it, I'm sitting here and I'm doing my research and you know, your ancestors talk to you when you're doing these things. They they guide you, whether you want to realize it or not, they guide you. And I'm sitting here and I'm like, okay, I just got this this email from the place that I was working with. They saying, yeah, your, your great-great-grandmother, Martha Brooks, was enslaved by Whitfield Brooks, Preston Brooks, and Lemuel Brooks. Well, Whit- Whitfield was first, Preston was second, and Lemuel was last. So in most instances, when you're going to research, you're either going to start from the back to the forward or start from the front and backward. You're never going to go in the middle. Something in me said, look at Preston Brooks. So I did. And when I looked at Preston Brooks, that's when I saw 
a picture that is still in history books today about a man holding a cane over Charles Sumner. And I was like, you need to tell me that this is the man that I, I saw this picture. I am sitting here learning my history in class and not realizing that it was my history that I was learning because I ended up being related to this man. Mm-hmm. So when you look at, when you sit down and you're in school and you're trying to do your, you learning about history, you learning about all of the founding fathers and them doing this and them doing that. And then they get to slavery and everybody white turns to the black people because that's our history. That's it. Yeah. And pulling together all of the elements that I exactly. mean, all works together, you know, that we are all, you know, tied to one another. Exactly. I'm, I'm curious, though. You know, there's got to be some major like, you know, y'all probably already really answered this because truth of the matter is that what can be more surprising than hello, we related and three different times over. I was going to ask, like, you know, was there something really like that blew your wig back about this word? Doing genealogy introduced me to American history, but it started, you know, actually started giving me the names of ancestors. That was the first time I actually had a sense of an American identity. Now, I was born and raised here um, up until I was about 19. Um, small Connecticut town. Dad was in the military, so, you know, lived not too far from the naval base in Connecticut. Never felt like an American. I was never allowed to feel like, even though I was born in this country with ancestry that goes all the way back to the foundations of Virginia and then further beyond on my Native American side, how sad is that to not feel like you were an American until you start learning about your family and start naming your ancestors? And I said, all of this work started in when I was still still living in England. So now that I'm back, back stateside, when white supremacists come for me on Twitter, or anywhere on social media, I can clap back when they're like, if you don't like this country, just, just leave. I'm like, why should I? Um, come to think of it, um, Thomas Jefferson's a great grand. You know, I'm not, I'm not dropping names to be bigging up anything. This is America. When we're talking about America. We're talking about people who are like all of us. You know, Thomas Jefferson is an ancestor. George Washington is a great uncle and a step great grandfather. Um, Patrick Henry is an ancestor. All the kind of movers and shakers, colonial, you know, Donnie and I have colonial governors who are our ancestors. So it's like our ancestors, just thinking specifically about the Black ones, built this country. I'm owed and I ain't leaving. Yeah. And then for me, what what blew me back was Moses, was Moses Williams, the 40, you know, because I was... I. I was pissed when Brian was like, yeah, we're going to do this research. And I was like, no, I'm not. Mm-mm. <laughs> it was it was the 45 <laughs> kids that put Donnie off. His research for him. I have a, I already knew that I had a second great grandfather named Moses. So when I was doing my research, I was looking for Moses. I was looking for the that great grandfather. But when I found this whole article about this Moses Williams with the 45 children, he's he's looking 50, but he's actually 65. And yeah, this is in an article, guys. And then they tell you they're telling you everything about it. And at the very end of the article, it says that it was verified. So this was true. And I sent it to him. I sent it to Brian and I was like, Brian, this is Moses. I'm not doing this, you know, this research 
on him because we never told y'all his age. So Brian turns around and he goes and he finds a um, obituary note for him. And the obituary note simply says, age man 115 dies, 43 of his children are surviving him. So when I'm looking at it, like, in 15 now i i know that my moses was born in 1791 this this ain't my moses who is this so then brian comes back and says yeah this is his father i was like no way no no i'm not doing this research because that means every last one of his children were enslaved and i am not going into that and he made me do it so y'all uh, 45 Forty-five children all were enslaved. So to put Moses into context, he was born when America was still a colony. British pound sterling was the currency of the day. Well, uh, britches or pantaloons or, you know, the zipper wasn't even invented at that point. When he died, you know, he was here for all those major wars, the Revolutionary War, War of 1812, you know, the Civil War. When he was born in the Mexican War, when he was born in 1769, when he was, in the, he was old enough to remember the revolution, he would have heard all those words about liberty and freedom and we're not going to be slaves to Britain. He would have understood it, he would have heard it, and he, he could have never have conceived that he would ever be free. And he survived it. He survived slavery for a good few decades because he died in, eight, in 1884. His father, who was, his, was also his enslaver, Daniel Williams. Um, Daniel Williams' wife was his aunt because Moses' mother was Daniel Williams' enslaved sister-in-law. Yeah. Okay, I'm seeing people's, people's heads are getting straight. <laughs> <laughs> but I do think this is a really, I mean, in the context of where we are today, the idea that we are being separated so intentionally from this place around around who is who is the most American, what history deserves to be spoken about and taught, what are our identities, who are we? That this is a, so. We'll, let's go back to you being an activist. This is a revolutionary act. Because what happens is that we have to contend with the identity of ourselves, our families, the country that has been built around us, our part in that, and that it is not a cut and dry story. It is not a, a uh, you know, no pun intended, black and white story. This is a story about um, a number of systems that have been in place since the 1500s that in this country and that now we are contending with what happens when you set up something like this and you insert human beings into it and then you look at it 400 and what 65 70 some odd years later right i when i wrote my book um brian and i because brian was my editor is completely you know he and I have done so much together but when I wrote my book he started doing something called characters and started you know explaining who each character was and he spoke about Martha the one that I talked about and it was like she was speaking through him when he did it 
and it angered so many people on Facebook, on that Facebook page. And it angered so many different people because they were like, why are you talking about slavery? You're not slave. You weren't enslaved. You weren't this. You weren't that. Why are you even discussing that? Why are we Why are we talking about the Revolutionary War? Why are we talking about who died on the battlefield? Say that why again. are we still carrying around a, a, a flag of the people that lost? That, that's why? it. Right. Yeah. <laughs> why, are we talk, why are we talking about Confederate monuments? Why? Yeah. Why yeah, is it so important to have these things? Why are you why and your, your friends out there protecting Christopher Columbus statues exactly. with guns? Exactly. Or Frank exactly. Rizzo's. Why, why is your opinion of yourself so damn high that nobody else can have a history? Does that make sense? It doesn't. And I we and know that's, why. How I, that's how I got to <sighs> go ahead and say, hold on, I gotta be quiet now. Go on and say it. <laughs> I was gonna say for people who couldn't, and this wasn't for, this is for the wealthiest, for people who couldn't do a thing for themselves. Not a thing. They had black people to do everything for them, but they wanted to take all the credit for it. But what's the reason, Asia? Oh, the reason? Yeah, what's the reason? Mm. And the chorus says. White <laughs> <laughs> More conversation after the break. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. AT&T connects an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news. Sports talk. Comedians or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories. Change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T.
being a white supremacy, can I just ask a question real quick? Because I noticed in my little journey that while I was trying to find out about my ET grandmother, that was limited information. But when my her her husband that she married was an indigenous man, it seems like the roll call that was kept on indigenous people is ridiculously meticulous. Am I tripping you guys? No, no, you're not. You're no, not. You're not. You know, um, there was a very I can't remember his name again. It's Virginia. It's, always, it's either Virginia or South Carolina. I swear uh, it was the 1920s. He was an avowed racist and he wanted to limit the number of people who could claim native ancestry. So they had these things called the Eastern Cherokee application forms. You can get them on full three level form. It's an amazing resource because it has generations of family named. If you named one Black ancestor, that was it. Your application was null and void. Denied Negro ancestry. Yeah. Wow. Because that's that one drop. That's a part of that that one drop. The one drop. Well, you know, that's interesting because we've had other guests come on and talk about some of the anti-Blackness within the Indigenous communities and of course, the the somewhat unsavory history of, of slavery within those communities as well. So this kind of brings a little bit of that to the surface. But, you know, of course, it all gets introduced through, you know, these kind of white supremacist lenses and things like this form where, you know, but it, it is all about how they create these things. You got to You got to get into this lane so I can tell you what you can have. I want you to fill this form out so that I can tell you that you don't get to live here. You right. don't get to do this. You don't get to have this. Right. It's never, it, it's, it's never for your benefit. Well, put your face up next to this paper bag <laughs> and I'll let you know what you can get. We'll get back to you. I'll get back to you. <laughs> can I share a snippet of history that I hope is going to make your audience feel really proud about our people and of kind of our start? Are you so kidding? Those yes. early Africans in Virginia, those 1619 Africans and a couple of, and many others who arrived between 1619 and 1630. But I'm going to concentrate on those 1619. So we're told they were slaves. They would have been slaves if they had ended up in Mexico. That's their original destination before they got captured by the British. Their definition here is pretty nebulous. I think the best one was called a bonded servant because they had to basically pay off the cost of a voyage that they never signed up to take in the first place. But that's another story for another day. So they're, they're here. And all but one of them are able to buy themselves out of their bonds. And these people start buying up large tracts of land, which means they had to learn English. English was not their native. For, okay, for, and a lot of them were Angolans who were Catholic. We're told they were savages, that they lived in huts. They did not. They came from a very cultured kingdom. It was a Catholic kingdom. So you had the Portuguese who were Catholics kidnapping Catholic Africans. The Pope is totally cool with this, by the way, looking to make a profit. Now, unfortunately, Catholics in Virginia, not a good mix because it was a very Protestant colony at that time. But anyway, they, most of them buy themselves out of their bond. They've learned English. They've learned the English legal system. This is stuff that's never taught. Donnie and I kind of had to work this out between like, how did they manage to do all this stuff? Two of them became magistrates. Four of them had white servants. And when they died, the colony of Virginia, the bridges of Virginia that were like the, the, the governmental body started closing that door. When the last black magistrate died, they passed a law, black people can't be magistrates. When the last one with the, with the white servant died, there's a code. Black people can no longer hire or be masters over white people. 
all of you know their achievement. You know, they just kept making achievement after achievement after achievement. And when they died, there's a law: can't do this, can't do that, can't go here, can't. You know, it's ridiculous. And and from that point, fast forward to the Civil War era, and they're com- and now they've been enslaved for all these years. And now the Civil War has come and gone, and now we're free again. They came out from Reconstruction era moving faster than the speed of light because mm. they became doctors, lawyers. It was over 1,500 African-Americans who was in any type of position that you can think of as far as government was concerned, local, state, federal. They were everywhere. They moved at the speed of light. They became teachers. They became doctors. They were everything within a 15-year period. 100 HBCUs were created because of this. What? Yeah. Well, I want to go back to one of our early, early episodes. And I talked about reading Black Reconstruction, which is like should be required reading for any person in this country, period. But particularly for Black people, W.E.B. Du Bois, Black Reconstruction really does a very good job. It's not the only book that does a good job at this, but it does a very good job of really talking about that time period after the Civil War and during that time and what was accomplished, what was taken away, what was structurally changed in order for it to never happen again. And we're able to see from each state's um, constitution, which was ratified in each individual state. So when you hear white people say things like states' rights, when they say that, that is a that is a dog whistle mm-hmm. back to Reconstruction era anti-black yeah. laws that still exist on the books in almost Today. all of these states. So when they say things like states' rights or we don't want big government, we want small government, states' rights, all of that is a dog whistle to anti-black legislation. That means we don't want black people to have economic or political power, period. So don't buy into that BS. And it's like when you hear black conservatives in particular spill out this same type of propaganda, it is a problem. Please know that. We really are people that we will make a way, won't we? Yes, we we will. I love us. We will make a way to to be excellent, to advance. We do this thing, right? So just imagine had this society and all the others you know, um, if they they hadn't had such a hatred towards us, there wouldn't be the issues that they have with us right now. Mm-hmm. I don't I don't believe that people naturally gravitate to selling drugs or no. selling people for that matter. I don't I don't think that that's a natural thing for us. But you put us in positions where we have to make a way or try to survive when everything, our cities are destroyed, our towns are destroyed, our education is denied, you know, so many things. Um, had we just been left the fuck alone, huh? Mm-hmm. You're talking about people who started off not being able to read a language, okay? People were forced to take a name that they did, doesn't belong to them at all, right? Pay off a so, debt that wasn't their debt. That wasn't there. And and save a group of people that they didn't need to save because had it not been for those 16, 19 people, those 20 odd people, uh, Virginia would have died. Yes, it would have. That's the killer. Because Donnie has spoken important truth. 
that was the third time that Jamestown was on the verge of failing due to yeah. this. They didn't know how to do anything. They, they did not yeah. send their best and their brightest. They no. sent the thieves. They sent the thieves. And the murderers. And, and, they and the criminals and the to rich, this place. <laughs> and the rich and the rich men who didn't know how to do anything. That's it. So right. When Donia the embarrassments. Said, yes. yes. So when Donia said these people saved Jamestown, they saved Jamestown. They knew how to grow food. They knew how to rear the animals. They knew how to build houses. All of that stuff. And the response, the response to them, to who they were, like I said, this is really important piece of information that they learned early on that the response was to learn from them and then use the systems to then say, we will shut you down. That once they are gone, then you say, okay, now this, this is not allowed. Because that's that's really important piece there. Because I think a lot of times when we talk, this is erasure. This is almost the this is the definition of erasure. You people do a thing and then you outlaw this thing that they did, and then two, it only takes a generation to come by before they never knew it ever existed in the first place. Mm-hmm. And I loved your point about big states' rights. I'm just going to put this out there because it's very topical. So we get the states' rights argument. But at the same time, the same group of extreme conservative GOP people, they want to be in your gynecologist's office with you, telling you what you can and cannot do with your own body. They want to be in the classroom telling teachers what they can and cannot. That doesn't sound like small government to me. No. That kind of sounds like big government. Yeah, hypocrisy is is the is the American way, isn't it? Yeah, the only way. I- <laughs> yeah. it? Ladies and gentlemen, listen. Our strengths and our weaknesses, our tenacity, all of it, derives from situations now and and then, and the blood that flows. We'll hate ourselves by design, but we can destroy the chains with knowledge with comprehension of who we are. Inform yourself. And realizing that the system has played us for generations. For generations. Because if we were actually, I mean, no one people is ever going to be united. Human beings just aren't built that way. But if the majority of us could unite, I mean, that's probably the worst thought bubble for the group of people that we're talking about, white supremacists. But if non-white people, I'm going to expand this beyond African-Americans, would just come together and say, you know what? We're drawing a line under the sand. Y'all had a good run of it, European-descended people, for for centuries. You've made a mess of it. It's our turn now. We can't do any worse than what you've done. I was having this conversation with Johnny um, in the car, I think, a week ago, saying indigenous peoples all around, you think about all the places in the world that got colonized by Europe. Indigenous people are not responsible for climate change. We didn't create pollution. Our people had religions and cultures about celebrating living in harmony with the planet. You look at any indigenous people, they have mythologies and a real sense of duty to take care of Mother Earth. Raping Mother Earth was as foreign a notion to any group of indigenous people as any kind of thought form could possibly be. But yeah, we're told we're told that we're the savages. Yes, indeed. That was just that was just a moment of silence because yeah, it's deserved. Mm-hmm. 
This is our, we're, this is, if you um, have any questions, you know, we're going to give you some resources so that you can take your time and investigate. Um, it's worth the trip. Knowledge really is power. And you are the last dragon. You are the last dragon. Power. You possess the power <laughs> of, of your the soul. Globe. Oh, I didn't know that word. You I'm sorry. Are... I messed that up. <laughs> Real rap. Yes, Real rap. Listen, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much. Thank you, Brian uh, Sheffy. I said it right this time. I hope. Um, thank you, Donya Williams, for, for being supporters of J.L. the podcast and being so, so, uh, so open and so um, informative. Yes. Being so multidimensional. You are who we hope uh, we've been speaking to. We, you are absolutely, we, we feel like we're on, we've been par for the course. So thank you for that. And thank you everyone for listening to J.L. The Podcast. You are loved beyond what you know, and you can do more than you've done. I promise. Be good, y'all. How do you eat an elephant? One bite at a time. Hey listeners, it's Amber, the producer here. I am so excited to dig deeper into my own lineage. And today's guests have so many resources to help us start this journey. I am so excited to dig deeper into my lineage and today's guests have so many resources to help us start that work. Brian actually wrote two books. The first one is called Practical Genealogy, 50 Simple Steps to Research Your Diverse Family History and a Family Tree Workbook that's 30 plus step-by-step worksheets to build out your family history. You can find both of these books on Amazon. I'll link them in the show notes. They also have an amazing genealogy show that you can watch on YouTube, Facebook, and E360 TV. They offer genealogy services. If you want to work with them one-on-one, you can drop them an email at genealogyadventures at e 360 tv.com and just again i'll drop all this info and all the links in our show notes hi if you have comments on something we said in this episode call 866 Hey, Jill. If you want to add to this conversation, that's 866-439-5455. Don't forget to tell us your name and the episode you're referring to. You might just hear your message on a future episode. Thank you for listening to Jill Scott Presents J.Ill, the podcast. J.Ill is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house. And I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Hold up. 
Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. The wait is almost over. Get ready for the 2024 NFL season as the full schedule is announced. Every rivalry, every rematch, every rookie debut, every game revealed. The 2024 NFL schedule release presented by Verizon coming in May. Live on NFL Network, ESPN2, and streaming on NFL+. Terms and conditions apply to NFL+. Visit nfl.com slash schedule release to learn more.